Our next guest is an incredible individual that we actually just technically met last night. We tell that story in the podcast, so you have to listen. But he's a man who is just unbelievable. He's really hard to describe because <laughs> he's got such a multifaceted background. So look, he's a bunch of things. He's an entrepreneur. He is. Uh, he has a master's in business. He's a, got a post-grad law degree, worked for a bunch of different uh, companies. He describes himself just simply as an entrepreneur. Uh, but he's, his background includes places like, you know, work for private DNA testing. He's worked for companies like Tesla. He's worked for a health man, uh, manufacturer. He's had his own uh, migration law firm. But he's spent the last 17 years scaling small companies and startups across, obviously, different sectors and organizational types. But last night or yesterday when the legislation went live, so it was tabled in parliament, all to do with the extension of the state of emergency, w- using his calm intellectual wisdom and his background in you know our law degree he read it comprehensively Mm. understood it comprehensively and then shared it comprehensively completely concerned and I was lucky enough we were lucky enough to catch the video we contacted him and said would you please come on the podcast you do such a better job at explaining it than we ever could and he does just that over the next hour. Yeah, so uh, his name's Matt Wong. He's got a Facebook page um, called Discernible. Uh, you can check him out there, but we're just going to dive straight into it. Here is Matt Wong. You're listening to the Anything Goes podcast. My name is Morgan Richards. And my name is Anna Richards. We are the husband and wife duo in business together who plan on bringing you conversations and inspirations each and every episode. Our mission is not just to motivate and inspire you, it's to push boundaries and challenge the status quo. We aim to bring you humor, depth, differing of opinions and more. But one thing we can promise you is this is the podcast where anything goes. All right. Let let us go. Let us give the people what we want. We are coming to you as promised today with Morgs and Anna, as always. Do you want to say hey, baby? Hey, baby. <laughs> Mark, what you're going to learn about us, I, you probably Matt. haven't even. Matt, Matt. I keep Matt. saying Matt. You know what, Matt? It's okay, Mark. baby. It's all right. Yeah. <laughs> I hate my name. I really don't like it. I mean, Matty's not too bad. It's quite common. But what, have you seen my last name, Wong? There's about 1.5 billion Wongs. I just, <laughs> I don't feel unique at all. <laughs> well, we're gonna go. We're gonna call you Mark. No, you're Matt. Well, we've Matt got you Wong. on because you because you are unique. You've got a, a unique, not a unique perspective, but uh, uh, actually a unique perspective on on a, on a topic. So, so here we are again. I just want to set this up for people that. So we've got lots of listeners that listen to the podcast, and then we have lots of. Um, I've got lots of people then that follow Instagram, and it's unique to all kind of platforms. People that more listen to the podcast are kind of people that have known us for. Oh, I mean, followers essentially, but then at the moment there's this uh, pickup of followers and I know people that are going to listen to this one specifically are very interested in politics. So we found you. I just want to set it up by saying obviously I had done a video again. I put my um, hat back in the arena essentially and spoke back up this week on just helping Australia learn how to empower themselves mm in stopping or supporting either yeah. way. I'm all yeah. about that democracy. So, but writing letters to their members, which I've done multiple times throughout this year and it's kicked off again. I think, I think as we go live, it's where I'm at about 70,000 views on that video, but good video. Matt, 
Thank you, Matt. Um, what happened was I then saw, I promised, I said, you know, guys, we're gonna we're gonna record this podcast because there's people, the number one thing Morgs and I keep getting is, but we don't understand, like we we don't support the state of emergency because because we don't understand it, which is a great position to have. Um, but but then also just very calmly saying, but shh, you know, what's so bad about it? I said, well, let, let's do a podcast on it. Then I got sent your video from your Facebook page, Discernible, Hmm. and watched it and watched it again and again and again. I would have sat and watched it five times in a row. Calm down. I know. (laughs) It's only eight minutes. It was so good. But you just had such a calm, intellectual, but layman term way of layman's term way of explaining that legislation and why it's not good and so short of us jumping on here and having that conversation which we'll we'll engage um but you just did such a phenomenal job so we wanted to get you on and you said yes so thank you so much um but tell us a little bit about yourself because you you're blowing up as well so tell us Matt that story I just said what who are you where have you come from (laughs) so hit us well I am a bit of a nobody. I mean, I, I have a tiny following on on my discernible page, eight hundred people, and uh, I made this video, and I, I just thought, you know, this this bill that they're pushing through is not good because we're not talking about the most important part. We think it's the yes. the length of the state of emergency, but it's not. It's anyway. We'll go into that, yes. and then now, I, I twenty eight hours or so later, we, I've got seventy sixty five thousand views on this and over a thousand shares, and you know. That's unthinkable. I, I think people are really shocked by what's what's happening. So yeah, look, I'm I'm just a guy who who out of school started businesses. Which uh, I love. Yeah. <laughs> well, people say, oh wow, you're an entrepreneur. Listen, entrepreneurs are pretty sick in the head. Okay. If you <laughs> if you watch, there's a really cool moment in, a, in an interview with Elon Musk. Um, I can't believe I'm comparing myself. I'm not. But Elon Musk and Joe Rogan. Yeah, Elon I love Ro- that interview. Well, there's two, right? Yes. And in one of them, he says, look, how, how does your brain work like this, Elon? It's so amazing. It just ticks over with these new ideas and, and, and you know, we're, we're all enamored with Elon. But then Elon looks at Joe and he says, but Joe, what if you can't turn it off? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I've seen this, yeah. Joe, it's, Joe, yeah. It's the most eerie moment because you realize that it is actually a burden. Yeah. And in a much smaller way, it has been for me because I constantly get fired or I quit a job because I'm always trying to change things and, hey, let's expand to this. And, look, I've done a deal with the – I was at Tesla and I said, listen, I've, I was in the Sydney city. And I said, listen, the, the New South Wales head of procurement came in and I think we can change over the entire fleet of New South Wales police vehicles to Tesla Model S's. And you'd think that would be a good thing, but I just got into so much trouble for establishing that relationship. I just so, – really? You were so, so I we, I'm similar, but I call us psychologically unemployable. <laughs> I'm gonna put that on my resume. <laughs> there you go. Like we are just psychologically unemployable. I say this all the time. I'm like, I'm not, I don't get fired. I just am psychologically unemployable. Like I am my own boss. I get so, fired. You get fired. <laughs> <laughs> I, I can I, like we would have to fire each other now. Yeah, so. true. And I fire you pretty much every day. So you do get fired. It's true. So obviously um, 
Matt, like your story as well. I, I think you're not just someone on the internet who's just like no. looked up the act and no. went, oh, look at this sort of stuff, right? You actually, um, you've been to school to learn about law, yeah? I went to high school. Now let's do some <laughs> let's do some uh, credentials then, okay? So I went to I got I, I was bored in one of my businesses, making plenty of money in 2012, and went to law school because my careers advisor in school said you're not good at academic stuff. You should do a trade. So wow. I wanted to do a big F you to this woman and I finally went to law school in, I was 27 or something. And then uh, I ended up doing post-grad law, migration law, in Victoria. that was in Sydney. And then I went, did Victoria University, I did post-grad law. Uh, I, I tried to practice as a migration agent for a year. I hated it so much. I ended up going into more business and uh, did an MBA and just really followed that path. So... I'm one of those, if you look at me on LinkedIn, I'm one of those corporate you know, business-focused type. All my content's about business. So I'm one of those yeah. boring yeah. business-type blokes. I am straight line. You know, I'm fully vaccinated. Um, my <laughs> kids are fully vaccinated. Uh, I don't want to take the coronavirus vaccine because I'm looking at the risk factors of it um, and, you know, I don't take the flu vaccine. I try and keep a healthy lifestyle. But, look, I have no problem with it. You know, I don't believe in a lot of conspiracy theories. So you, I, I tell you that so you understand how painful it is for me to start waving this flag of, hey, this this proposed bill is sneaky and mm. it's dangerous mm. because I hate the conspiracy theories that jump on, on social media and say this stuff. But it is yeah. so bad I had to say something. No, but, yeah. Matt, this is why I wanted you so bad on this today because I think you bring that unbelievable calm logic to the argument in the sense that you you just stated it and I, I love that you preface that like good on you like I'm yeah. vaccinated you know I'm, I'm there with I'm you not, too by the way yeah. I, but I love don't that take the flu vaccine or anything yeah but, but I, I, love I am vaccinated so <laughs> not autistic but either maybe a little bit you're definitely <laughs> on the spectrum, spectrum. Honey. It's a spectrum. yeah you are definitely on the spectrum no but I love that and this is why we wanted you because you have that real voice of reason and can bring that that law intellect to it and I have to say as I watched it over and over and over again I said to Morgs he's a lot there's law in him because nobody can uh, unless you've otherwise worked in politics. So my background was in federal politics for four years, psychologically uh-huh. unemployable. I remember when I left to, to my, for my now business, uh, my boss handed me the four-hour work week. He's a beautiful man yeah. and said, and in it he inscribed lots, but at the end he said, go and find what you've always been looking for, love DJ. And so I can I can look at legislation and understand it, not mm. to the even not to the extent you had. So let's... Let's dive into that then because you're sure, amazing. Yeah. And first of all, can I just say, young man, you're not a nobody, okay? <laughs> Let's just give you some self-love talk. You're amazing. And we always say on the podcast, it's not about a following. It's about who you are and, and the impact you're having. So we're just honoured to have you on. So let, let's go there then. You're a vaccinated, logical, war-backed man yes. um, who also can stand up and go, this is not okay. Why? Matt, let's start there. Interrupt me if I'm being boring because lawyers are typically not a lawyer. I was never admitted to the Supreme Court. Don't come after me, professional services yeah. committee. But <laughs> um, away. Uh, the, the the laws in Australia are based on what are called acts, and we have this thing called the Public Health and Wellbeing um, Act in Victoria. It's a state law. So you have to understand that this act it lays out a whole bunch of stuff that is generally designed to keep us safe. Um, yes. And 
it's only in the back of the app in sections 198, 99, and 200 where these three sections create what's called emergency powers. And this is what we're all jumping up and down about, these, these emergency powers. Now, in this act, there, in these three sections, there are um, only two sort of conditions that emergency powers can be, uh, that need to be met for these emergency powers to be activated. And if you're wondering what the emergency powers are, they're in the act as well. It's in section 200. It's all about being able to isolate people, being able to remove people, being able to restrict business and trade and do some quite serious things. Like in Melbourne, we had um, a number of, towers like residential towers completely locked down with 30 or 60 minutes notice where they weren't allowed to leave the building which is horrendous i I raged against the machine matt just so you know so i brought the rage against the government with that as well it was just abhorrent like i said no no that's not okay that turned me into a social justice warrior which i hate yeah because that was (laughs) welcome to the fold brother i don't know (laughs) It was so bad. Anyway, so that so you know that was exercised under the state of emergency powers, not under the state of disaster, which is another act we can talk about. Um, yeah. So the state of emergency powers are far-reaching. What they do is they concentrate exec- a power in the executive. So our government is has an executive function. That's the, the ministers and the police force. And what it means is people, rather rather than us voting or the parliament meeting and making a law, it means just normal people, executive ministers, police, heads of departments, can do some things without getting our consent. Now, the, the traditional argument has always been that this is this is good because in an, in an emergency, the wheels of democracy grind slowly. Slowly. Mm-hmm. That's deliberate. In the US, here in Britain, they grind slowly for a reason. It's necessary. Uh, as it is necessary. Um, but in an emergency, you do need to respond more quickly. So these emergency powers, uh, the two conditions are, first of all, uh, it must be a in a state of emergency. It must be a valid state of emergency. That's condition number one. Condition number two is that the chief health officer must believe that it is necessary, that's the key word, that it is necessary to exercise these emergency powers in order to minimise and eliminate a material risk to public health. So once you satisfy those two conditions, you can activate the emergency powers. And this is where Dan Andrews and... And hang on, I just want to remind people, sorry, I'm only going to interrupt when I... Because I'm the... Please do. I'm speaking for the... um, like I always think, okay, someone someone may already be lost. So remember, everyone, that to enact the emergency powers, Matt's, you know, in this law, it is things like detainment, uh, mm. which it is, detainment, um, social distancing, yep. closing premises. So he has to, there's a small group of subset of people, right? So reiterate that. So I just want to remind people again, because layman terms is powers from a subgroup of small people once they can, once they feel it necessary, um, they can then enact the powers of detainment, social distancing, closing premises, and warrantless searches, so they can Warrant- come in your home. Yeah, warrantless searches, people. Listen. So the thing is, we live in a society where we've all signed up and said, "Look, we'll make a government." This is just a short history of 500 years. We, we've, we'll make a government, we all subscribe to it, and we'll give them some powers, but they can't just go around and randomly lock us up for no reason. Here are the rules, and that's what we're talking about, these conditions. Here are the rules. And in times of severe emergency, okay, you can suspend some of those checks and balances and we will just trust you. So that's really what we've signed up to do. 
Uh, and so the Dan Andrews government and the mainstream media have this yes. issue mostly correct. It is true that a state of emergency is required for forced isolation, for restriction on gatherings and for wearing of masks. It has to be there, otherwise they can't do that kind of stuff. That's true. But as with everything, the devil is in the details. So if you have a closer look at this exposure draft, which you can see at the Department of Health and Human Services website, which is the Victorian government department that administers the powers under this act, you can Google, uh, what would you Google? You Google exposure draft Public Health and Wellbeing Act, or go to my discernible, I've got it on there. Yeah, go, so go if you want to link to the to the act, go to Matt's page on just, so discernible We'll link, on we'll link it all in the show and notes. And we'll link Great. it in the show notes too. Yeah, definitely, for sure. Great. It's not a very long document. It's only like four pages long. So this is the bill. A bill is presented to parliamentarians to vote on. They they vote. It, it, it says we want to amend the act, the law, and, and it, they vote yes, then it goes through, and then that's how it works. So at the moment, this bill this exposure draft bill, wants to change both of those conditions that I talked about, that there has to be a state of emergency and that it has to be necessary to minimise a material risk to the, to the public, those two conditions. They want to change both. So the three main changes of this bill I can go through now. Yeah, do. The first one, which is what everyone is talking about, is they want to change uh, section 198, which talks about uh, the length of time that a, a, a state of emergency can be done. So what the deal is, is the Victorian government can declare a state of emergency for four weeks. Every four weeks it has to redeclare it. Now, the legislation is designed in such a way, it says um, in 198, that you can only do that four-week extensions for a maximum total period of six months. You know, it's called a sunset clause. Fair and reasonable. It's reasonable, and look, yeah. we can we can our parliamentarians can come together as they're trying to do now and create a new law and extend it, and that's valid. You know, if you if we want to vote and extend ourselves and put ourselves under that again for another ten years, go for it. You know, but at least the parliament comes together and does it. Yeah. Now, the six month period is coming to an end, so that's why the thirteenth of September everyone's talking about in the news. That's the sunset date. <clears throat> when the state of emergency in Victoria will end unless something changes. Now, they want to change in this bill the word six months to read 18 months. So they're going to amend Section 198 to say that they can continue to do four-week declarations for a further year from, from September 13th, so up until September 2021. And I just, I just want to um, explain on this because I know people are going to hear because I did, Matt, to be fair, 18 months and think, Oh my God, not 12 months, 18, just to reiterate to people, because it's already happened for six, 18 means it's happened for six plus another 12. So it's still an extension of 12 months, not 18. It's just you've been in that state of emergency for six months. We've already served six months of our sentence. Served six months of your sentence. Can I just say as well, some people will hear that and go, uh, you know, it's only an extra really six months, potentially 12. Mm-hmm. It's it's not a big deal. Well, if it's not a big deal, why have it at all in the first place? Exactly. Say that's, that louder, Matt. Yeah, exactly. It, it, I don't, so anyway, carry on. That's just my two cents for the moment. Well, yeah, yeah. I'm trying to not be political. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so we're talking about And I just want to policy. say for people that are like, right, like because I know people will hear this and start to be like get angry and, this is the power. This is why I wanted you on too, Matt. Like we can rage against the machine 
absolutely. But I find this kind of conversation where we can stick to facts and keep it like level-headed and logical just has so much more power than being someone that slings mud at a specific person. I'd love to, but I just refuse to because I'd rather. So just bravo is my point. Like, Yeah, I don't want this to. It's not. I don't want to make this like a left versus right, like liberal versus labor sort of discussion. Because even if you look federally, at Scomo's camp, they've had huge failings in the way oh, yeah. they've done things as well. Yeah. So, um, and look, I'm giving Dan Andrews his due. Like I'm yeah, saying, he's, he's mostly telling the truth, people. Mm. He's not trying to destroy our life. Can I? Can I just say this? I'm no fan of him at all. I'd much rather vote for his opposition. But Dan Andrews has our best intentions in mind. Now he may be deluded. And you yeah. may think that. I, I might actually think that looking at this draft bill. But I am certain that he's not trying to destroy us. And if you look at that man doing his best, which may be woefully inadequate, but he's doing his best, best. this is the problem. If you, you know, in my video I talk, I posted this quote by C.S. Lewis. It's yeah. a long quote, so I won't read it. No, say some of it because a lot of people, I shared your stuff on my Instagram and I got like I get thousands of messages and and people went and watched it and then said, gosh, that quote really resonated with me. That's it. I get it. So say some of it or say all of it by all means. So of all tyrannies, a tyranny sincerely exercised for the good of its victims may be the most oppressive. This is what happened in, I believe, in places like Fidel Castro's Cuba and Nazi Germany initially. I'll continue. It would be better to live under robber barons than to live under omnipotent moral busybodies, SJWs and the like, because robber barons' cruelty may sometimes sleep. His cupidity may at some point be satiated. In other words, he may kind of tire from tormenting us. But those who torment us for our own good which is what's happening, will torment us without end, for they do so with the approval of their own conscience. And this is the reality of power, when power corrupting. Do you think I would be any better as the Premier of this state? I hope so, but probably not, honestly, because every time we see people rise to power, to positions of tyranny, they don't do it with a sense of I'm going to destroy your life. They always do it for noble purposes. They always try and they always think I could do it, but my brother does it. My, I love my brother, but he he's he's um he has this idea. Look, if, if I could just be the the PM, I would fix it all. But don't you know that's what Scomo thinks? That's what Julie Gillard thought. That's what Dan yeah. Andrews thinks. We're all trying to do our best. Yeah, yeah. And that's and I say this all the time. Like I've always taken the person out of politics in the sense that like. I won't ever begrudge the person. I just look at their policy and it just, to me, it humanises politics in a way um, without making it personal always. But I will say, unfortunately, at the moment, like Andrew's, yes, I I have to trust he's doing his best. But when this legislation... That that he believes he he thinks he's doing his best and and I agree with what you're saying. I would probably be somewhat worse in the same situation. Maybe not because I did notice today that the head of the AMA has come out, um, Julian... I've forgotten his last name. Um, he's requesting a royal commission into the way the Victorian government has handled this whole thing. And to quote him, he called it a slow-moving car crash. It is. And I want to say, but so, and because, and then I want to get back, like, lead you back to the legislation. We've interrupted you, but uh, I, Andrews now is at a point where I, I don't trust that anymore because he had come out and said yesterday. He keeps saying, it. "I've heard it from my own ears and read it with my own eyes." that, you know, well, other states are in a state of emergency. That's a lie. Queensland isn't. And I called and spoke to my state member yesterday because I didn't, I was like, no, we're not. 
So I was like, someone's lying. Who's lying? Which, which state's lying? And then I called and I spoke to them and they triple checked it and called me back and said, no, we absolutely are not. We've still got the, um, they have emerg- the we have emergency forward. restrictions, we have re- restrictions, but we're not yeah, in a state right. of emergency. Mm-hmm. And he keeps saying on where, and our legislation is indefinite. That's a lie. That's a blatant lie. So just little things like that. Now I'm starting to, I'm, I'm not comfortable anymore at all with his leadership. And I, I, because I think if you can get on national television and update statuses with just such blatant lies, it's not okay. So that's my two cents. I think just on this topic, I'm sorry, I really want, I will not come back to the legislation, but um, when we look at the way this particular government has handled this situation, when we talk about the lockdowns of the buildings, the, you know, these cases that have gotten out of control, um, this legislation, the, um, basically the disbandment of democracy in a lot of ways with the way they've shut down uh, the lower house, the upper house and all that sort mm-hmm. of stuff is that what I would be most uncomfortable with is that this is a government that's largely failing in its responsibilities and its duties. It's removed certain aspects of the democracy while at the same time uh, increasing its own power and its own um you know, what it is able to do under certain acts and certain bits of legislation. And it's doing it in a way that isn't necessarily truthful and honest. Yeah, look, you're right. You're, you know, I agree with you. I do see the lies and I do think he should resign or well, I don't even know if that's the right solution, but I do think he shouldn't be our premier. But I'm a big student of behavioural psychology and I just think that mm. behind the lies is a true desire. If I met him, he lives not far from me. Oh, wow. in eastern melbourne uh if i saw him on the street i would have a lot of a lot of compassion for him even though i think yeah. he's terrible and should go and i think he's wrecking a state i think it's a slow moving car crash i think the data supports that i would be very sympathetic because i think behind the lies is a, a desperation to do what he thinks is right he really feels like he's saving us and mm. that's why this quote is so apt yeah. because this is where the most damage is done he's doing it with the the um the sponsoring of his own conscience yeah i think he's used quotes like when he's been asked tough questions oh i'm not interested in getting to that because i'm yeah. right now i'm focused on saving lives yeah the, the moral high ground he's on a cruise good he's on a crusade yeah so yeah. i would say i'll look in there and say hey thank you so much for you know you're on your crusade trying to save us but you are bloody wrong you are destroying <laughs> lives mate i really need you to sit yeah. down have a cup of tea and let some someone else Get do a better sleep. job and, and this is so important and this is, I'm glad it went here because I think, again, I, I do always say that politicians are humans and, mm. and they are they do often do their best and I know we do. It's scary because lives, I mean, the suicide rate, I'm going to say it, like the suicide rate in, in Victoria specifically, I mean, nationally, is, is, is killing more lives at the moment than the virus, fact. The, the data well, is there. Yeah. 50% increase with half, roughly half uh, under 18, is what I've wow. seen. So up to, I think it was up to 4,500 projected instead of 3,000 for the year. Yeah. Just, yeah. yeah. So that's a massive increase. Uh, and so, I, I, so there's so much emotion. You know, people have lost their jobs. So, that, so it's an emotional, hot topic and, and everyone's confused. But also we have to try and, and put the humanity back into it in a sense without also like I always say see the person absolutely but you can still exactly this is such a powerful conversation to me because I think you know we have that calm empathy for him but it's like nobody should resign 
Like you can have that empathy for someone but still absolutely hold your ground looking at data and knowing the facts. So, yeah, I'm just excited to help educate people because I think the greatest feedback I've had, Matt, is that people are just so confused. So if we can keep, yeah, just keep breaking this down for them, it's just so empowering for them to go, okay, I can have empathy but now I understand under no circumstances should this legislation get through, and I'm glad I sent my email. Well, apparently today they've they're 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 doing a 180 on a lot of it as well. well this come come down to one independent. You know, but I, but again, let's get into this because yes, what go. they're doing a 180 on is the length. And as you mentioned in your video, that's not the real issue. So the, the so we've covered what they, the first thing they want to change is the yeah. um, length of time to make it a further 12 months of state of emergency which is not lockdown people, okay? Look, yeah. it could be, it could not be, but yeah. the power behind the lockdown is a further talk. Can I, can you just, sorry, Matt, can you say more on that? Because I do want to clear that up. I'm, I just know, I've, I'm just hearing from everyone, like that was the thing. People keep going, shut up, everyone. You know, 12 months extension doesn't mean a lockdown. No, it doesn't, mm. but it allows the powers for them to decide in a room in a without snap. parliamentary procedure. So, so we, we have to be... The only way to disarm that, that it's not a lie because they're correct. They're correct when they say it's not locked down for 12 months. But it's, it's, a, sneaky, it's a sneaky trick because, um, we, look, the only way to disarm that lie is to, is to acknowledge them. You're correct. Can we now please talk about the real problem, which is you're going to give unfettered power to a government who can continue to make this, uh, lockdown powers throughout the next 12 months? And they say, well, they won't. Dan Andrews said not for a day longer than is necessary, not for a second longer will we have lockdowns. Well, why then are they altering these two conditions in the Act to make it far more easy, not just easy, far more likely to trigger emergency powers? So first of all, they've, they've fulfilled Section 1, the first condition, that there must be a valid state of emergency, right, by extending it for another 12 months that we're set. The second condition is where the, the nefarious changes are. The second condition, remember, is that the chief health officer, who's Brett Sutton at the no, no, is it Brett Sutton? Yes, at the moment, um, is that he must believe it is necessary to exercise emergency powers to eliminate a risk to public health. And this is the next two changes. Mm-hmm. So the first thing they want to do is they want to insert, and you can read this in the draft exposure bill, uh, exposure draft bill. They want to insert the word reasonably into section 199 so that it reads. The chief health officer needs to uh, believe that it is reasonably necessary. Seems like a small change, but it's not. This is the kind of stuff we went through a lot in law school, and you'll see in in live court cases that they argue over um, the intent of legislation by words like that. Mm. If, If Brett Sutton has to believe that something is necessary, he has to then justify, hey, I exercised this emergency power and it was necessary for these reasons. Here's the data on the on, on COVID-19 or whatever. He's now only going to have to say, it look, it was reasonably necessary. So it minimizes, it weakens the standard of proof that he has to provide to justify use of emergency powers. Okay. Which is dangerous. Well, I don't think that's. I don't think that's necessary to put the word reasonably. We know that the science on on this particular uh, pandemic and, and COVID nineteen is it evolves all the time. Exactly. Um, there's there's different studies coming out that you know, like you mentioned, wear a mask, don't wear a mask. Okay, mm. it has some effect. We're not sure how much effect. Um, I saw one the other day that said um, 
that people who have a, a deficiency in vitamin D are more likely to experience morbidity and, and high mortality rates as a result of COVID-19. So perhaps staying indoors in lockdown may not necessarily, they don't know, be the greatest idea if we want to try and, and reduce uh, the impact on our health system. Because obviously, if you're not getting enough sunshine, not getting enough vitamin D, that can have uh, an adverse effect on your chances of actually surviving it or experiencing harsh symptoms if you contract it. Well, well, the data you're referring to was presented well by Dr. Rhonda Kirkpatrick in the US. Yeah, uh, She presented some uh, not causation but correlation data on yeah. uh, vitamin D levels in COVID patients. And she was finding crazy uh, results like um, 90% of people with severe COVID had insufficient vitamin D and so on. Now, just to be fair, the other side of the argument, there have been some, been some vitamin D trials here and in New Zealand by epidemiologists, which have shown not much of a link. I personally believe in the link. There's a long established history of vitamin D, which is not a vitamin at all. It's a hormone. Uh, and I did have a medical clinic for nine years and I rubbed shoulders with these leading experts in um, researching this kind of stuff. So I, there's something there. But at this stage, yeah. it's correlation, not causation. causation. Yeah, totally. I, th I think we will prove causation eventually. But the, the point is, if that, if that comes out, and but the the, the chief or the Cho, as I, I love that you use that name, the Cho, um, you know, and, and he may may not choose to ignore that, but may look at that and go, uh, we got that, but it's kind of not really enough. Bang, that's enough for a lockdown. What happened? Uh, what, what happened to saying, "Hey guys, are you healthy?" You know, yeah. okay. Do you know I used to weigh 140 kilos? No shit, I used to weigh 110. Oh, I used to lightweight. <laughs> Try harder, buddy. <laughs> I needed to find a meal in between KFC for lunch and Hungry Jack's for afternoon tea. I couldn't never nail it. <laughs> I don't think we have time in this podcast, but I'll, to talk Let's about Let's do your, another. Your no, yeah, but I always say, can I say as a dummy, like I love you, but I'm, I was smiling that whole time, guys, you wouldn't have been it because I'm just like, oh, I love people that know what they're talking about. But I was smiling and as I, I'm not a dummy, but I just want to say like as someone that doesn't necessarily can't quote that, that exact study, which you're so amazing, by the way, Matt, is like I just know, call me wild, but that health and some sunshine and eating well and drinking water is mm. great for the immune system. So locking people down and, you know, suffocating them when they're out in fresh air is probably maybe not the best idea. That's just, but again, no, I'm not quoting studies. I'm just saying as an individual who is exceedingly healthy, has has not had a cold or a flu in over seven years, like just well, I'm well. Um, it's because I love the sunshine and I eat well and I, and someone actually called me out. Someone said on my Instagram yesterday, they were like, you think because you're healthy, like that's an, like, no, just because you're healthy and that's an advantage. I'm like, Yes, of course, that's an advantage. And I think it would be wise that everyone be healthy because that's <laughs> such a powerful thing to fight a virus with health. Mm. But anyway, okay. Number Get three. out of here with your facts. Yeah, right, how let's... dare I? <laughs> I can't believe we're not talking about that stuff. Get out there, get fit, whatever. Uh, uh, so I'm just aware of, I've got plenty of time, but I know you probably oh, don't good. want no, to, no, to go no. on for an hour and a half. Oh. We need to get, uh, we need to at least, look, we're good for however long you're good for, but obviously um, we want to make sure we cover the, the, the key things about this legislation as well. And, and um, I think we were up to, we were just talking about um, the powers of the show, yeah. um, things, terms like reasonable, and yeah. I'm familiar with terms like reasonably practical and things like that, um, just through my own background and work experience and things. And um, they are, like you said, they're, they're hotly debated. They can be hotly contested terms. Mm. 
Um, so removing some of those, uh, changing some of that language, mm. um, obviously can make it much easier and it gives more broader sweeping powers to a government to kind of take whatever action uh, without necessarily having the, the information and the data behind it to support the action. Can I give a real life example, Matt, and correct me if I'm wrong, because again, I just want to bring it down to that level where people are locked inside their homes and it, it could go, you know, I'm like, we're trying to stop it in Victoria so it doesn't go everywhere else. But say because emergency, the emergency powers are essentially um, carried out by the police. Um, So that's the way that it works. So an emergency power is to detain. Mm. So say if it was reasonably necessary, if a police officer with the um, authority to exercise an emergency power like detainment with, you know, extreme measures of a five-kilometre radius and things like that currently in Victoria, the way that I looked at it and I said to Morgs was that say I am running because you don't have to wear a mask and I'm running in my five-kilometre radius but a police wants to stop me and I'm a bit sassy about that because I'm like, well, you know, I'm doing the right thing. For goodness sake, I'm running so I don't have to wear a mask. You know, I know I'm in five kilometres of my home. You know, say I went on a run and I didn't have a pocket so I might not have taken my identification if I was then fined or arrested, say, because I can be quite sassy, if that occurred and I then challenged it in a court, but because of that addition of reasonably, to me, that's that's where that fine tooth comb comes in. It's like, well, they could fight back and go, well, it was reasonably necessary to, you know, exercise that that emergency power, even though it wasn't necessary at all, because I was on a run and I was being, I was doing the right thing. Is that an okay example to use? I, I wouldn't use that example because I, I don't think that that's the way that this uh, change to the act will be applied or interpreted by the courts. Can you so, give an example then? Sure. So when it when it talks about adding the word reasonably necessary, it's referring to the Cho's responsibility to believe, to have that belief in order to exercise his powers in making declarations and his authorised officers, which you're referring to the police. In practice, that's not what we're talking about. It's not actually really empowering the police to make discretionary judgments uh, based on this change. They make their own discretionary judgments based on the Policing Act and the Crimes Act and a whole bunch of other things. This is more saying that the chief health officer, this is really protecting the chief health officer, not the police. In practice, what happens is the, the police will simply follow their training and the policy and the briefings of the day. So at the moment, they're simply doing their job and walking around like, I, want to, I don't want to say monkeys, I don't want to disrespect them, but they're just, they're just enforced and that's what we're just enforcing. So this loosens the chief health officer's ability to make a declaration or a direction and then they will enforce that direction. So whether the, this, the show makes a, a direction or not, uh, whether he makes it easily or more difficultly, difficultly, uh, he, the, the police will enforce it. So I, I don't, I don't see that as a problem. What the real change here is that when the Cho, this is the example, when the Cho gets called to account, or really the the, the Andrews government, he has to. The, the rule of law exists even under emergency powers. He can only exercise emergency powers in the way that the Act authorizes, because yeah. we live under a, a Western democracy society where. We believe in the rule of law over everyone, and this is good. It's, we've gone from kings and queens doing demo, um, dictatorial stuff to us to this rule of law. No one's above the law. is not above the law, no one. And so all this does, it says, look, you're not going to get into as much trouble, Brett, 
because you you don't have to prove. The onus of proof on you is lower. The standard of proof, the bar has been lowered. Yeah. But, okay, so, well, th- this, th- the third change is the big one and it's the same thing about this lowering is the, the one, bar. Yeah, I'm really excited to have you talk about as well because this is the one when you, when you I was like, holy shit, you know what? Okay, I'm, I'm, with a lot of this stuff, I'm kind of like, all right, we'll just kind of, you know, we trust that they're doing the right yeah. thing. But when, when I you explain this, I was like, hang on a minute. Because when you, you've explained, obviously, so just recap the, the, the first two. So, for, um, so remember there's two conditions under which emergency powers can be exercised. There must be a state of emergency and the show must believe that it is soon to be reasonably necessary to eliminate or prevent a serious risk to public health. Okay. So, so we've covered the fact that the change, they want to increase the length of time. So the first condition is met, tick. tick. We have a state of emergency for the next year. Second condition, he has to believe that it is necessary. Well, they're weakening that to say he has to believe it is reasonably necessary. necessary. Yeah. And the last part is reasonably necessary to do what? To eliminate or to reduce a material risk to public health. What is a material risk to public health? Thankfully, the Act defines it. Mm -hmm. And this is the big third change they're trying to, to push through. The bill wants to put a new section, section three, subsection four, was it section four, subsection three? No, it's three, subsection four, I remember. Three, subsection four. And it's introducing a new subsection that says, I will be a bit more accurate here and read it. I love that you have dual screens. I should send you a picture. I have one, two, three, four, five monitors. Oh, wow. In front of me right now. And I feel like I'm running out. I need more. (laughs) <laughs> you're like morgs oh my god oh, i've got to move to queensland not, not where i am at the moment with the, where we've got the mic set up and stuff like that but on on one graphics card for you computer nerds out there um <laughs> so i think i can get more i can put in another graphics card and get another three or four okay so what they want to insert this section says that uh covid19 may pose a material risk of substantial injury or prejudice to health of human beings so Again, that's the second condition that it presents a, a material risk. Even when, and I'm reading verbatim now, even when the rate of community transmission of COVID-19 in Victoria is low or there have been no cases of COVID-19 in Victoria for a period of time. So what we're talking about here now is enshrining into our legislation that COVID-19 is a material risk of substantial injury or a prejudice to our health, even when there are zero cases. It doesn't matter what scientific consensus or evidence or developments come out in the next 12 months of this state of emergency because it's enshrined in legislation that it's a risk. So it permanently gives a tip to the second condition of the emergency powers. There is no reality under which the government cannot point to those two conditions in the act and say, we tick, tick, tick. We can exercise emergency powers because we're not even talking about the presence of deaths or the, or, or the lack of deaths. We're talking about not even the presence of cases. It says no cases. Yeah. COVID-19. Now, okay, let's be fair to the Labor government. I've had two MPs reach out to me personally since my video went viral and ring me on the phone. And I should probably not put my personal phone number out there all the time, but they <laughs> don't call me people. I've got kids. I'm a family man. All right. Yeah, so the Labor um, messaged me on social media. The, a Labor, uh, an MP briefed me and said, listen, the only reason we want that uh, 
section, new subsection, is to protect the Victorian community. In the odd case that Victoria has zero cases and neighbouring states have many cases. Can, so can I question- just play devil, devil's advocate? Hold, hold that thought because I know where you're going with it because hold the thought because guess, guess what, though, MP that, that called Matt? That's our current reality. You guys are the ones with all the cases. Mm-hmm. New South Wales is fine. Queensland is fine. Perth has none. They don't have this legislation. So I just want to, I just want to, so if someone's listening and they're like, oh, okay, New yeah. New South Wales is yeah. up and down a bit at the moment. It's up and down, but it's not, mm. but they they're don't, actually, e- yeah. they're not even introducing a piece of legislation like this. So I just want to play devil's advocate back to that in the sense that if people go, oh, okay, but that makes sense. But no, because that's our current reality. So we've mm. got a state that's that's at the bottom of us, but technically in our own nation. And let's not forget as well that the, as Dan Andrews being quoted ad nauseum saying he's doing this to bring their legislation in line with other states. Which is a lie. So I just want to play devil's advocate there that I understand that that MP called and said that, but I, I heard you say that. I think I think I read it in an edit and mm. I was like, no, but that I mean, that doesn't even stack up because that's, Right now, New South Wales could then bring that in and say, oh, well, Victoria sucks with their cases, which is false anyway. But it's like, yeah, so devil's advocate, continue. Look, if you want to believe, look, my question is should I, should I buy, that, buy that excuse? Look, if you want to believe it, go for it. Mm. It's free, free will. I just, I just think it's very suspicious because, as I said, it, if they enshrine this, then the two restrictions under uh, the two conditions of exercising emergency powers are permanently activated. Now, if I were to design, if I were to draft this four pages, and uh, because when you look at it, there's a few changes and it just looks like legal legalese, gobbledygook. Yeah. And even when I first looked, you know, I've read this thing so many times because it's, it's you know, even judges, they read and read and read. Um, I, I'm reading it thinking I... I I'm not sure what, it looks a bit disjointed, but then after doing a couple of videos now, there's another one going live on Friday. I, I'm, I'm seeing like a thread through it. And I'm thinking if I was to draft this in, or like, why would I draft this? If I wanted to draft map, if I wanted to draft unlimited, not unlimited power, but un, unchecked power, like give me a blank check, not, not to do what I want, but to activate the emergency powers in section 200. If I wanted to be able to activate those whenever I wanted to, or in Dan's case, whenever he feels he needs to, mm-hmm. um, this is how I would write it. I would weaken, uh, first of all, the first condition by extending the, the time. And that's not enough though. I would have to weaken the second condition by doing this because he's got a problem on his hands. Victorian COVID cases are about to crash. Well, they're already crashing. And then what and when, the hell? Hang on, when he says crashing, I know I'm like, this is just from my political days. Like, yeah. what does that mean? Like, when you say crashing, you mean going down? Going down. Yeah. So we're, we're rapidly heading towards minimal cases. And do you remember Congratulations, back in, Victoria. That's super positive. Yes. Do you remember back in the day when it was about flattening the curve to protect the capacity of our health system? Yes. No, no, that's not what it's. Come on. Get with the times, Anna. No, no. Now it's what was it then? It was to uh, we wanted to have an RO under one or under two. Like we wanted to get the transmission infection, red infection down below, so that it was going down. And then it was no, no. That's not enough. We want to uh, have minimum number of deaths. Like too many people are dying. Then it's no, no. Well, not enough. Well, not not enough people dying. Not not that many people are dying. A lot of them have comorbidities and so on. And and there are some COVID deaths, of course. But then it was okay. Cases. We have too many cases. We need to have less cases. And now that's 
that that is now falling by the wayside. This is now going to take that away because we're talking about zero cases. zero cases. And we're not talking about zero cases for a week. I agree. If you have zero cases for a week, that's probably not enough. Mm-hmm. It says zero case. There have been no cases of COVID-19 in Victoria for a period of time. doesn't specify. Time. Yeah. And can I also say I, I have read, so, so just for people that are listening, this is why. I just, I just want to take it back to that because the, the conversations that everyone are having, having across the nation, but specifically let's, let's help Victorians in Victoria, are pro and like against and for the legislation, the question has stood with, well, what is, I mean, A, people are, what is a state of emergency? So just hopefully we've explained that, that it's powers that a, sub, a small subgroup of people essentially have to make executive quick decisions. And that's why when we say, when you hear people like myself or Matt talk and Morgs like talk about um, unchecked power, it's that. So they don't go before a parliament and decide to lock you down. It's the Cho and the Premier basically sitting in, you know, and, and a minister or like who I don't even think, I got told the other day the the not the show, but someone else, like one of the executive powers that sits. The secretary of the health, DHHS. Yeah, yeah, like they don't even have medical degree. Like it's just like some dudes with some background that sit in a room and make decisions for your state right now. Well, I can tell you just just a small interruption who that is. Tell us. Not not by name, but you have Dan Andrews who sits on the top of a cabinet government called the Labor Government in Victoria. They have ministers, the Minister for Health, Jenny. She got a funny last name, yeah. Uh, so do I. So Jenny ha- <laughs> Jenny sits, she's the Minister for Health and she has all the responsibilities and powers in the Act. She uh, she then goes down to the Secretary. The Act talks about a Secretary. Yeah. Who that is, it's an um, unelected uh, government official. It is the head of the DHHS, the Department of Health and Human Services. Yeah. They then, under the Act, have to appoint a CHO, the Chief Health Officer. That's Which Brett Sutton. Brett. Okay. Brett Sutton then, he's the only one who has to have the medical degree. Um, I'm 80% sure on that. I should check that, that the secretary doesn't have to have one. I'm pretty sure. Then the show then can appoint uh, authorised officers underneath him. And authorised officers are police? It can be anyone in the act. Okay. Um, that is reasonable to, to be that. But uh, interestingly, councils are written into the act as, as authorised officers. But, uh, yeah, it can be anyone, including um, the show the himself, not just people he delegates to. So it doesn't necessarily that, have to be, I, be uh, a gov- like uh, an officer. Could it be a non-government person? It, according to this, yes, according to the Act. Yeah. There are protections like they have to be um, reasonable that that person has the capability to exercise their powers under the authorised, you know. So technically, yeah, you could say the police are authorised officers. So layman terms, can I... Um, with this executive, the you know, the things that sit in a room and decide, and this is where when we say unchecked power and blank checks and, you know, et cetera, it's those people, it's, it is always, I know it's the Premier and I know it's the Cho, but, and the Minister for Health, so Jenny and her secretary. Yes, but we, we, when I say secretary, that's just a legal term. It's not her secretary. No, I know. Yeah. Explain, yeah. no, but actually you should explain it, keep going. Yeah. So the, the secretary in the act that the act refers to, this act, um, is simply the head of the government department of health, the, D, the yeah. department of health and human services. Yeah. So it's but not it, like a, a junior admin. No, no, no. It's a serious <laughs> looking. If I could get that job on eight hundred thousand dollars a year as secretary, great. Um, but no. these, this is this is what I want people to understand. It's four people essentially yeah. sitting in a room. Yes. So this. So everyone, just to break this whole conversation down, we'll keep going. But I just want to like. 
box it up here just mm-hmm. to to put the pin in it to say, okay, this is where we're at. So if you're you've been confused so far, where the problem lies. So hopefully you're starting to understand what of a state of emergency is. So it's the Public Health and Safety Act of 2008. That's the act. They're about to amend that act with everything that Matt's just talked about. That act allows the Premier to call a state of emergency. The state Mm -hmm. of emergency gives um, state emergency powers. Mm -hmm. Those powers are, you know, detainment, masks, Mm -hmm. et cetera. So no, it's not a lockdown, but it allows a quick decision by four people sitting in a room to make that decision. And now this legislation is allowing you know, all those changes that Matt's just talked about. But even if, you guys, there are no cases, they can sit, four people can sit in a room unchecked, yeah, a- unaccountable, and go, there are no cases, but, but for cases whatever in, reason. There's but there's in cases in ACT or whatever. Yeah, so yeah. Let's, yeah. let's lock it back down or let's still man- mandate masks or, or whatever else. So that's why this is a bad piece of legislation on every but- level. Matt, I've got a question. So when we talk about the Cho and his, he assesses data then makes a determination mm. um, and it can be, as far as he believes, reasonably necessary, does the Cho have to present or publish the data that's led him to make that decision mm. or is that all discussed in private? I feel so sorry for Brett Sutton, poor guy. <laughs> like he's not that political. He's just trying to do his job. Um, look, I, I'm now I'm waiting out of my knowledge, so I'm yeah. going to be just, careful. Just, I'd be interested to know, like, where is the... What sort of the data that he makes his assessment from? Does that does that face any scrutiny? I mean, that's so, what I'd so, like to know as well. Yeah, so I can speak from the legal point of view. I can talk about the act, what the act will force him to do um, yeah. in a second. But in terms of what I, I've what I've read is that uh, they're not forthcoming. Like I've seen FOI requests, Freedom of Information requests. Yeah. I've yeah. seen the actual documents and the replies from the department uh, to the federal government about um, can you show us uh, documents relating to basically the data and that they they have to report on what they that they found documents and then make a decision whether or not to release them and they constantly report yes we found two documents that match your inquiry however given COVID-19 we've decided not it will prejudice the actions of governments state and federal so we're not going to release it so I've also read in media how true that is I don't know that uh, we're not able to get this data from Dan Andrews is that what you guys are seeing he's just not releasing the medical 100% yeah Yep, and also what what I had a problem with, like furthermore, as we're on this sort of track, is that I had I did that I did my video to say it's not okay. I can't even remember. I think it was Tuesday. I'm just going to have a quick look on my phone. I did it on two days ago on Tuesday. On Tuesday, I knew that that giving any government. So I just want to reiterate again because I just layman's terms. I'm thinking like why it's bad is that. It gives back power to four people sitting in a room, legislated if it passes, which, you know, hopefully it won't, that they can just decide even if there are low and no cases to continue a lockdown or continue mandating masks. Now, I want to say I'm in Queensland right now. We've got some community transmission. I went to the gym this morning. I high-fived my PT. Like, we've got no masks. (laughs) But I want to say, like, you can adult in a state where there is still some community transmission and we yes. don't and and we and we don't have four people sitting in a room with legislation that backs them to say even with no community transmission they can lock us down or make us wear masks or detain us, all the things so um, I, think the, I think the concern hang on, hang on, Bob. sorry we interrupt each other all the time but I just want to say wife. that on yeah. Tuesday this is right but on Tuesday 
innately knowing that it would be bad, I still hadn't cited, you hadn't, none of us had cited the information, uh, the, the yes. legislation. Yep. The members of parliament hadn't yeah, yeah. cited yeah. the legislation. I just want to make such a point of this. Yesterday afternoon is when this legislation was tabled by Dan Andrews. Mm. He wants them to vote on it in a couple of days. Mm. So the fact he already that- had, He already had numbers. So, well, this is the thing because, well, if Dan Andrews comes out, that's the government, right? So Dan Andrews yeah. is going to come come out and go, this is the legislation that we're, we're going to put forward. Labor have to vote that way because that's the majority of the government. But I just, like, so not only are, does he not have to provide, you know, medical proof and all the things, he wasn't even providing the legislation table just like he didn't with Belt Road and still hasn't, but other topic. Um, but he hasn't tabled or hadn't until yesterday afternoon. We can only have this conversation now and you could only do that video so brilliantly because he had only just released it. Mm. So th this is something else I want people to understand that now you have listened to this and you're starting to understand that yes, a state of emergency piece of legislation extension is horrendous for my state in its current form. Your members, so if you have a Labor member or senator that, and currently one crossbencher, but they had, they were like, yes, we're for it without even citing the legislation. And that to me is just not okay. And it happens, look, it is not unique in, like not, not unique in parliament. Like federally it happened often, yep. state, but I, I just think when it comes to what's going on in the world, there should have been more of an onus of responsibility on members to at least have cited this information. At least before. read the act. At least read the act. <laughs> you know what's scary? I think I'm more familiar. I, I'm not even a practising lawyer, and I think I'm more familiar now with this act than some of the pollies I've been speaking to. 100%. Matt, you 100% are. This is why I wanted to, I, Morgs is like, we could get a politician. We could have on the, I'm like, I don't want a politician. They don't know what, the, they don't the even problem, know they're what just, they're voting They'll just on. Toe, toe a line. Yeah. This is what I'd like to get Jeff Kennett on, right? Because he's, uh, yeah. he's a former um, <laughs> premier, not premier totally and d gives no fucks. Yeah, that's <laughs> so true. It just says it how it is. So um, I think I've, I, what was, when I dropped you, I had a point to make. I can't remember what it was. I'm spewing. It was a good one too. Anyway. Well, tell no. me when you remember that. But in, from a legal <laughs> perspective, anyone can be called to account if they don't abide by, by legislation, by the Act. So yeah. the show can be called, this is why they're loosening it. This is what you would do before, if you're scared of people bringing action against you, you would loosen the rules on yourself. Mm. On and yourself. This is, on yourself. Yeah. And this is exactly what I would do uh, if I wanted to, if I was nefarious. And so this is going to make it harder when we, when any of us bring action against them because there are sections in the act that allow for compensation. Did you know that? You can actually apply for compensation if any of these exercising of emergency powers affects you. Uh, and it was done in error as well. There's big compensation um, sections in the act. But he will point to this. Yes. I was validly acting under my powers in the act. Which were because it was reasonably, reasonably necessary. necessary. And more it. and moreover, look, there were no cases, Brett. No, 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 no. No cases is still a material risk, as said by sec by section three, four. All right. So bang, he's dismissed. Yeah. yeah. And so what are that's sorry, I, this is what I, where I wanted to go. So right now I have a, f a couple of like little insiders inside state parliament in the cabinet in on both sides. So I'd never like give it away, but um, they wow. have come to me this morning, <laughs> letting me know that they've cited the 
Andrews has amended it um, yep. to get Catherine Cummings over the line because he's yep. trying to pass it obviously in the Senate and she is pushing for three months. Uh, the, so the legislation be extended for three months. Uh, Andrew still wants six. six. Mm. So this is the debate currently happening right inside Parliament House right now. What about um, the other bits? Was it just so the this time? is what I wanted to say. So oh. no, there no. isn't an amendment on that. So this is so... This is my point. This is why I wanted you on. Before, I got that just before we jumped on the <laughs> podcast. This is a thing, Matt. This is why I loved your take on it. I was so focused on, because that, that was all I knew at the time. That was all he gave. And I feel like now Andrew's almost has done it, can I just be honest, as a distraction. So we And it claimed, yeah. Yeah, yeah, we have he. It was cle- it's clever. Like it's almost like okay, so no, no, no. Okay, I'll, I'll change for, the. I'll act. go for twelve, and when they kick up, I'll get six. No worries. And then, but the most important part, almost now, so is that third part. It's that third amendment. It's all. I, I also don't. I vehemently disagree with the twelve month extension. I do. I disagree with the time, but I vehemently disagree. Furthermore, with the. I mean, all changes. So what would you, as a reasonable, level-headed, intelligent individual who does have some back or has background, lots of background in law, would you say remove those amendments altogether? I've been pushing MPs to, to, okay, you want to go for a longer period of time, we can stomach that maybe, okay? I know people yell at me for saying that. But But you're being level-headed, that's fair. Yes, but please... Do not weaken the two conditions under which th- you can exercise emergency powers and certainly don't enshrine in law, for God's sake. The law is slow moving, right? Don't enshrine in law a scientific principle that COVID-19 is a risk with no cases because you, it's an open blank check. And, you know, this is, look, this is one of the criticisms we have. The people who have been criticising this stuff, um, are, the, the people on the other side criticise us for not having a solution. So what, you want to open up the country? What you want us to all get coronavirus? You want to kill grandma? Whatever. What's going to happen when this? If 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 this doesn't pass, let's talk about that. If it does yep. pass, okay, we kind of know. If it doesn't pass, if the state of emergency elapses on the thirteenth of September, are we going to descend into anarchy? No. Are we going to be plunged into the mighty sea of coronavirus, as Beijing famously said towards the USA? You know. The state of emergency may be gone, but do you know what's not going anywhere? The decent, hardworking Victorian citizens, as Dan Andrews keeps calling us, they're not going anywhere. Those level-headed people are still going to be there. And I think if the state of emergency disappears, we will be, for the first time, allowed to go about our lives and exercise voluntary compliance to be rational, to be thoughtful, and to to live our lives in a cautious way that doesn't require the violent use of Dan's big stick. And so my real question is, are we ready to stand up and prove to him that we are adults and we can manage this? Or are 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 we simply just going to stay under the Jeremy Bentham's panopticon? which if, you, if you're familiar with principles of policing, there are two ways to police a population, either with a big stick and, and fear of being caught, which is Jeremy Bentham's panopticon, which we'll talk about if you want, or you can do it through consent. And our entire policing system and governmental system is built on consent. Okay. The police 
rule as members of our community rule. The police exercise their powers as members of the community. This is based on the Peelian principles of policing, which were established in the early 1800s in Britain. The police are taught this in the police academies now. You are not special. You are the community and the community are the police. Yeah. You're just simply exercising powers to protect them. And, and that's policing by consent. Yeah. That's that's what they're taught in our police academies in Australia today so that they keep the community on side. That's what you want. You want the community support, supporting the police force. What they do in other countries, dictatorial countries like North Korea, like China, and America is increasingly going this way, unfortunately, yeah. is Jeremy Bentham's Panopticon, which is this thought experiment this philosopher did of a giant prison in a circular shape. And all the prisoners are in cells on on the outside and in the middle there's a single guard but he's got mirrored glass so nobody can tell which way the guard is looking and the theory is that you'll be so afraid that the guard is looking at you at any one moment that you will not misbehave in your cell but the truth is the guard can only look at one cell at a time there's another four thousand cells around him that he can't look at so you're policing through fear through a big stick not through consent and that's, that's what I feel now. When I go out to my letterbox, I was told that I'm supposed to wear a mask when I go to my letterbox. Now, I didn't get fined for going to my letterbox for not wearing a mask, but every day I go to my letterbox, I feel that tinge of fear. Oh, I, I feel yeah. I'm in Jeremy Bentham's panopticon. I feel that big stick. And if a police showed up just driving down my quiet street, I automatically have an offence, I think a defensive reaction of, oh, don't come here, I'm just going to my mailbox. Yeah. They are shifting the principles of policing from consent, the Peelian principles, over to the Panopticon principles. And that is what you do for children. I don't know if you guys have kids. I have kids. No. And you, you treat them like that. You have to. Yeah. My kids are one and four years old. You do have to rule their lives because they have no idea of what's going on. But that is not how you treat these level-headed, good Victorian citizens. For God's sake, you call us that, Dan. Well, then why don't you treat us that way? Exactly. And, and I said to I said this to Morgan last night, Matt. But I just was like, take us to church, keep going, like because this is what I wanted. You were just such. You you have a far more eloquent, intelligent way to explain it. But I said to Morgan, my greatest upset and fear and ferocity and fire to speak up like I have and put myself back in the arena and, you know, cop the criticism and done all the things for Victorians is that somewhere along the line, but I actually understand that psychologically now because it's that exactly what you just explained. I said, they've forgotten that they're adults that can go outside and follow rules and so many people go but we didn't no I you did I feel like you did I feel did. like it's just that you, go you had a government that had a failing in a hotel quarantine <laughs> and that guy slept with the thing and you know it you followed rules you did the best you, you know people had parties so did we and we're okay we didn't personally but I'm saying like there are absolutely groups in every society you know people that aren't going to follow it perfectly but the vast majority you guys are adults and you're self-respecting adults. Like when the state of emergency ends, you, your cases are going down. I'd say I don't know the numbers today in Queensland and that, I mean I speak to Queensland because I live in Queensland. But, you know, there are cases but we're still, we're getting, we're doing okay. We, we mm. respect social distancing. We do in shops and stuff. There's, again, not everybody does but we just have that onus of responsibility on ourselves and you can too, Victorians, is my point. Like to speak... Preach. Yep. further to Matt like you can too you do not need a further extension of emergency with amendments that completely take away individual freedoms mm -hmm. with no 
thought to future science that could change completely change exactly how we operate and, and the way that we look at things. And it's, yeah, it's just, it's scary. So well, my thing and all of this is, is this as well. And I think we talked a bit about it before where people are like, oh, you're being overreactionary, you know, uh, conspiracy theorist, tinfoil hat and all that sort of stuff, which I think a lot of that is just a way just to try and discredit you for raising genuine questions and genuine concerns about all this. And, and, and where I'm going with this is the other night I saw a news report. They have a, uh, they had a, a case of a, of a gentleman uh, who has coronavirus for the second time. Hmm. What they, when they studied his blood, what they found is that he doesn't actually have um, coronavirus a second time. He has a new strain of it. So it's actually mutated. So what they're saying is um, that the development of an anti-vax, uh, of, a, of a vaccine um, could well be good, but if this if, this, if it continues to um, mutate and change, it may become like the flu and seasonal. It changes every single year, new vaccines every sort of year. So what are you going to do then? You're going to continue to to lock people down. What's going to happen when the government money runs out? Will you still Enjoy. be like, oh, it's all okay when you're losing your house, losing your home? Will you think it's still people being overreactionary then? Or will you think that, hang on, shit. You go, where's Anna and Matt? Let we can't, the point is this idea about constantly trying to hide from this this pandemic and um, this illness has a, has a half-life. It, it, it can't continue to go the way it's going. And I don't, I, I don't think it will ever come to this, but I think when, if people start losing homes, going hungry, things like that as a result of, of legislation like this, I think we could see potentially things become really, really bad. And I don't want it to get to that. I want to mm. see people um, be able to show a little bit of self-governance mm. and to be able to trust that people are going to get out. And I know you're going to have some people that are going to do the right thing, but we can't. This, but this that's constant, society in all ways, always. This path that, that I believe, this is just my opinion. And just remember, I'm an idiot, right? You two are, are way more educated than me. The average person listening to this probably more educated than me. But even I would like to think that I can see where this is going. It's eventually we're going to, we're going to come and hit a brick wall. Something is going to have to give somewhere. And you can't just keep rolling over state emergencies and, and locking people down in the hope that, this is just going to go away because at the moment it's it's looking like this is going to be something we're going to have to live with for a long, long time. Well, look, proof is in the pudding. If you're going to get someone like me and my little wife with her two little kids in a pram to go to a protest, which is what we're considering doing, you've lost the plot. How did yeah. you lose the centre? How did you lose mainstream people like me? My wife is a little Swedish girl and she's, She's not scared, but she's not. She doesn't want to stand up for this, yeah. and yeah. she's going to come with a one-year-old and four-year-old in a pram because it's affecting the kids. Yeah. She's going to protest. Absolutely. I mean, my God, you've got mums going to protest. This is not conspiracy nut jobs now. No, yes. and this is the thing as, as well, mate. Like the politicians, love, I've said this before, said this to Anna, love to stand up and say we're all in this together. Dan Andrews is not in the same. Uh, not, is not in this with you. He's not at home. You know, in your position, your unique position. We're not in the same boat as you. We're in the same storm, different boats, right? And this is the thing. They keep coming out and saying, like, you know, we're going to get through this. We're all in this thing together. Unfortunately, when you're making decisions that impact people's lives, you can't say that we're all in this together while you continue to receive your, your government income and your government perks and all that sort of stuff as well. I just think I find it really disingenuous. It is. All right. Gentlemen, I, I'm so I, I'm only aware like why we put limits on it essentially, just so you We're just everyone knows. Of your time. No, well, a conscious of your time, but b people have an attention span of six seconds. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so Jer Jerrigan would disagree. 
He would. I know. And I feel like this will go, like, I, I'm like, I trust that this podcast will go that way. I, I, we just love this. We had no questions. We had no prep. We were like, yeah. let's, you know that. I said, let's just hit record and go. So, mm. but we, we are so grateful for your wisdom and your humor. We, we, yeah. you, you'll get to know Morgs and I. I feel like we will Great. If we ever get, when we get to Melbourne, I don't know if you drink, we'll, we're taking you for some for some food and beers um, or kombucha and organic salads, whatever, <laughs> wherever you are on the spectrum. Um, but just thank you. Thank you for speaking up. I know that you only speak, have previously spoken about business. They're all your videos and you you are someone that has been so in the centre and so you are reasonable and intelligent and you, you just are giving so much by having this conversation, by doing that video that you did. So just receive that gratitude and thank you so much. And I feel like we are definitely going to get you back for lots more if that's okay. For lots of things, business chats. We have our own business. I'd love to talk business with you. I'd love to hear more of your story. Hey, listen, I really appreciate you guys. It's been good to get to know you even beyond the podcast. You're pretty funny people. Cool. I like it. Um, yeah. <laughs> Cool. Uh, I think we should be hopeful in the end, guys. Like, I hope it wasn't too negative. The, the truth is we, you know, we, we could do this. Well, let me say, let, yeah, no, I, I love that you said that because that's my biggest thing. I always say don't lose hope and and never never feel like it's the end. Like, so Matt's educating you and I'm leading the protests, like in the sense that like Matt's just explained why you need to keep writing the letters. That's what it comes mm. down to. I've been inside those parliament wall. I know what it, you have to rally. It's powering numbers. Politics is numbers. So mm. they govern to prove that they are worthy of governance in the next election. And they do that to by validity of proof through their constituents. So the constituent holds the power. They do. And if they rally, which is what I've been leading this week enough, they will vote this down. But now I understand the legislation even more. I'm like, I'm amending the letter and including those two amendments because we, we can absolutely stop this. So don't lose hope. Let's leave it there. But thank awesome. you so much. And we will chat to Thanks so much for again. listening. And as always, right, we both hope Bye. you get out, out of it that you can use to challenge your own status quo. And if you liked what you heard, it would mean so much to us if you shared this episode on your socials to help us get our podcast out in the world. Don't forget to tag us as well so we can thank you personally. And if you're loving the conversations, leaving a review on iTunes, simply by going to the podcast, scrolling down and clicking leave review, will help even more people find us too. And we would be so grateful. And until the next episode, we will always be cheering on your success.